I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey. Monica O'Hanlon Production. The truth is there's really nothing to worry about because whichever way you carve it up, you will experience the sublime death, which is a beautiful experience. And then maybe find yourself waking up, you know, in the biblical heaven, which of course, as we've explained, is an actual planet elsewhere in the galaxy. Hello, I hope this episode finds you happy and healthy. You are, of course, listening to Dying With Mon, the podcast which explores what death means to people from different movements and religions. I'm your host, Monica O'Hanlon, and I am just thrilled to be here with you for this final episode for Series 1. And let me tell you, we are ending on a high. I think of all of these episodes as children. I don't believe in favourites, but I've got to say, if I did, this one would be up there. Today, I'm speaking with Peter Heaven, and he's a Level 4 guide within the Raelian movement. I don't want to give away too much, but Peter was so open and explained everything so well, you are certainly in for a treat. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, and I really hope you do too. So without further ado, let's get into it. Here's Peter. My name's Peter Heaven, and I am what's called a level four guide within the Raelian movement. What, what does that mean exactly? I was reading up a little bit about this, but for our listeners at home. Okay, so for what we call structure members, which are active members of the Raelian movement, people who actually have, have technically joined the movement, uh, you have uh, a series of levels from zero to six. Uh, Maitreya, or Rael, as we call him, is level six. And then you have varying levels, which at each stage you uh, are able to engage uh, with others, with public, with media and so forth appropriately. So a level four guide is someone who can facilitate all the workshops, um, the seminars, the Happiness Academy, as well as engage with media, be that radio, TV, podcasts, etc. Where say a level two might be able to talk to groups of three to five And this really just comes down to someone's understanding of the message and their ability to discuss it appropriately, I guess. Yeah, awesome. And so is there like a a certain amount of years or something that you need to put into it to get to that level? Because level four sounds pretty high if Rael is a six, right? Sure. It's uh, really based on ability. And, of course, you can't have too many chiefs and not enough Indians, as the saying goes. So we find that, you know, people who are attracted to the the movement, to the message, as we call it, um, all come with their own talents and their own abilities. And then their talents and abilities are utilised as warranted. So some people might be really good 
uh, at admin and, and sort of behind the scenes facilitation, where other people may have uh, better communication skills. So really it is possible to, you know, come into the movement if you are, say, the only Raelian in a particular location. Uh, it comes to mind that some of the South Pacific Islands, you know, we might have one Raelian. And then to be able to facilitate a new chapter, so to speak, within that location, they might be instantly uh, promoted to a level three, uh, again, depending on their ability, because they would need to be at least a level three to be able to facilitate uh, gatherings and to, you know, communicate the message appropriately. So, yep, ability, talent, and uh, I guess a desire. Yes, yeah, sweet. And and just before we go any further, are you, I've just blanked, but you look after the media for, is it the Australasia, was it? We call it Oceania, so that's the whole Oceania. of Australia. Yep, Papua New Guinea, uh, all your South Pacific islands, be it uh, Vanuatu or Numea, all the way through to Tahiti, obviously inclusive of New Zealand. So the world is broken up into uh, continental responsibilities, so obviously Europe, then you have North America, South America, you'd have a number of spots in Asia as well as Africa, and then Oceania is this part of the world. And I'm one of the spokesmen, the person you uh, dealt with, uh, Tara, she's actually the media responsible for the whole of Oceania, and then she'll delegate out certain um, you know, instances like this to people she feels uh, would be best to do such a, a role. Great. Just for anyone at, listening at home who, who hasn't really heard of Raelianism, do you think you could give us a little bit of a, a rundown on the beliefs and the history? Because I was looking at your website the other day and I, I read uh, the little byline. It read, Intelligent Design for Atheists, which I, I really like that. It's fabulous. And I can recall my own sort of quest to find out the truth as to, you know, why we're here on planet Earth. And we're given sort of two broad choices, religion and a, and a, a, a spiritual, ethereal, religious, creationary story or evolution. And I didn't feel sort of comfortable with either of them. And eventually I came across Raelianism, which effectively suggests that all the major religions uh, the sacred languages all talk about, uh, you know, an entity coming to a void planet and creating all life and creating people. And the twist with Raelianism is it's not an ethereal or spiritual God-style entity. It's actually flesh and blood human beings just like us, super conscious, benevolent, loving, with a high science that we couldn't possibly comprehend. And they undertook uh, the creation of life. So they found planet Earth, it was void of life through science, so manipulation of matter, DNA, cloning, etc. They were able to create all the life that we experience in the biosphere from plants, animals, bacterium, you know, fungi, every single thing that's cellular and living on the planet. And then when that was a stable environment, they set about creating human beings in their image as expressed in most of the major religions. So the atheist twist here is it's not a omnipotent ethereal God that created life on planet Earth. The planet existed, the universe existed, and these people through their science 
came across space in, in technology, we might want to call them spaceships, found planet Earth that suited their endeavour because of the, the chemical constituents, set about to create life and then literally created uh, us human beings in their image, their people too. They left us and kept in touch with us via what we might refer to as prophets. So uh, Elijah, Ezekiel, Abraham, Moses, um, Muhammad, Buddha, Jesus, etc. About 41 prophets over quite a, an expanse of time were uh, designated to transmute uh, additional messages along the way to help humanity in its uh, development. Wow. I guess d- did the official uh, movement, because I was reading, it, it started in the 70s, right? Yes, exactly. So 1973, uh, a gentleman by the name of Claude Vorilon, we refer to him as Rael uh, or the Maitreya, you know, he, he was a father, he was a husband, he had a business, he was living in uh, central France, a place called Clermont-Ferrand, and on a particular day, uh, December 13, 1973, he had a strong compulsion to visit an extinct volcanic park named Pieux de la Salar in central France, and he arrived rather early in the morning, went for a walk, and then as it sort of states on a lot of... Uh, Raelian material, uh, much to his surprise, he saw a, a bright object in the sky. He recognised it as what we might call a UFO, only in this instance it kept on descending and it ended up hovering a, a few metres off the ground, about 20 metres away, and lo and behold, a, a, a type of door opened and a human being emerged, a, a small human being, uh, about 1.2 metres tall, very elegant, very beautiful, very passive, clearly male. And this human being walked towards him. And um, over the next six days, transmuted what we call the messages. So it was a dictation. They met for an hour each day for six days. And that's what's effectively been compiled in the first book of the message. And it effectively sets out our history, why we're here, why they created life, um, it straightens out some of the misinterpretations or mistranslations in the Bible, the Quran, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and other sort of contributions to the great story of creation, and suggested that you know humanity has now reached this point where we have developed uh, a particular level of science where should we couple that with some good psychological process and, and progress and, you know, rid ourselves of the, 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 let's say, violent nature that's exhibited all too often, that uh, we would be ready to welcome them back at an embassy they ask us to have asked us to build somewhere on the planet where they could uh, effectively fulfill prophecy by returning to earth along with all the prophets of old and uh, usher us into the galactic community if you like so it's it's very similar and in line to all religious stories or the majority of religious stories it's just removing that uh, ethereal omnipotence and replacing it with actually people and science that's the 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 major twist there is there a a date you know like is there do you know roughly when they would be coming back 
they suggested to Maitreya that they would expect the embassy to be built by 2035. It would need to be built in a country where the government willfully gave the prescribed amount of land and that would assure the sort of extraterritorial rights that any embassy on earth um, enjoys and that when the majority of human beings become peaceful, they would then return uh, to what would be the greatest event in human history and uh, fulfilling, you know, prophecies from so many uh, religions and sacred languages. So is, is that underway at the moment? Is it under construction already or...? We have the plans, we have the money to facilitate that, we have the workforce. Uh, the Raelian movement for the past few decades has been in contact with a number of countries, um, effectively seeking this bequeathment of, of land for this particular purpose. Uh, there are some countries which have suggested that they are open to the idea. There are many uh, governments that, you know, of, of course, quite uh, frankly told us, you know, no way, it's not going to happen. Um, we feel confident that the time will present itself uh, and the land will be given and permission and the extraterritorial rights will be in place. And uh, from that point forward, it would take us uh, a very short time to actually facilitate the building of the embassy. Yeah, and I read, and you just mentioned that they would come back when it's more peaceful, when humans can be peaceful and stuff. And I, I was reading that Raelians embrace a lot of progressive views, like obviously democracy, equality, sex positive feminism, like gender as an artificial construct and self-love. And I saw that sexuality, I guess, is, is quite a, a large topic in Raelianism. Is it true that monogamy isn't encouraged and fluid sexuality and stuff like that? Is that is that fair to say? Probably not. We we often have, uh, you know, there's a little bit of humour around the, the whole notion that the Raelians are a sex cult or something of that nature. I guess what it spells out is, you know, if you find your life's partner and your relationship is absolutely fulfilling and elevating and you can go on a, a journey of self-development together, that's probably about as good as it gets. However, uh, whilst on that journey, anything's possible. So sexual orientation, well, you know, sex is something that was deliberately designed to be pleasurable. It's not just for human beings to be for reproduction. So whatever your inclination may be, as long as, uh, you know, the other partner or other partners are all willing, then uh, this is a, a powerful journey to embark on. Having said that, you know, we, we have people of the entire rainbow as part of the, uh, the Raelian movement and uh, people express themselves accordingly as, as long as there's always respect. But there's no uh, mandatory... Uh, suggestion as to how one should conduct their lives. Interestingly, the message that was delivered to Maitreya actually on two occasions, but uh, by this extraterrestrial who he met with, um, is not just a sort of a historic overview of what has happened and uh, an account of what may happen, but it's also a philosophy of how to live in this current age. And that philosophy is is very broad, it's very beautiful, it's it's very encompassing of 
what it is to be a human being. I love that. It's like a live and let live, I guess. Absolutely. It's, we, we've suffered as a humanity uh, far too long via superstitions, via controlling factors, uh, via assumptions as to what would be a, a proper way to live. And uh, it's certainly encouraging when we have a look at simple steps, gay marriage, when we have a look at the entire sort of gender discussion and that people are now actually able to live as they feel as they're not hurting anyone else like I say as long as everyone involved is is consenting uh, it doesn't really matter what someone might wear or um, how they may wish to conduct themselves on a sexual level or or a social level or a a community level and uh, it's it's fulfilling on that level very much we've we've been the brunt of uh, poor journalism which always takes it back to this one common denominator of you know it's just a crazy sex cult it's uh, it's far from that i can assure you <laughs> no it, i mean to me that that all sounds just fabulous on another episode i interviewed oberon zell have you heard of him i have i have to admit i don't know a lot yeah, he, he's one of the founders of the Church of All Worlds and his main partner, Morning Glory. She sounds so interesting. She actually was the person to coin uh, the term polyamory, which, you know, I thought that was absolutely fascinating. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Death has been a huge topic around the world this year, more so than, I guess, since probably World War II or something. I think there's a lot of fear behind it. I've certainly experienced fear. You know, if I think too much about death, I often go into like a wormhole. So I'm talking to people from different cultures and different religions about what their beliefs are to death and whether there's an afterlife. What's the Raelian point of view? It's an excellent question and and we must always keep in mind that the the Raelian point of view is somewhat hinged on, you know, the the religious texts of the past as well as sacred languages which tend to refer to you live your life. Uh, If you live a good life at death, you will go to heaven, let's say. Uh, I should point out that my last name, Heaven, is my birth name. It's my father's name. It's been part of our family for many generations. A lot of people (laughs) think I may have changed it uh, just to, I don't know, be an intrigue perhaps. But um, And, of course, if you're bad, you go to hell. Um, Interestingly, if we really research a lot of religious texts, they do define that a little better. And in many cases, there's a third option, which is, is, is effectively called the sublime death. So from a Raelian perspective, uh, from gestation onwards, you're monitored. You're not monitored by other people, as in the Elohim, as we call them. Uh, and that, of course, would sound uh, uh, reminiscent of the Torah and uh, the Hebraic texts, etc. 
but the Elohim have, as I mentioned, a high science. They have developed a technology that uh, monitors every human being on the planet. And then at death, uh, this technology, I guess, in a process of judgment, evaluates the value of your life. Uh, if you have been uh, extremely negative and have done some terrible things, uh, you will be recreated to be, let's say, punished for your crimes against humanity, etc. Uh, so this could be uh, the connection with the, the, the notion of, of going to hell. Um, if you've been exceptionally good and if you've allowed humanity to progress and you've been a whole and kind person, uh, you may be recreated. And when I say recreated, this is recreated scientifically. So at the point of death, a cell sample is taken remotely. This contains all your DNA. Your entire neurological faculty has already been downloaded into this technology and through a process which could be uh, akin to cloning, you are then recreated via technology uh, into your body as it was when you were around 20, have your consciousness uploaded into that body and you would find yourself living on a planet not so far away, not in our solar system, but certainly well within our galaxy, which is, uh, has been deliberately created for all the good people. And uh, there you would, you know, run into the ancient prophets of the past, plus thousands of people who've already lived on planet Earth and lived the whole life. And you would live there eternally, thanks to the scientific uh, opportunity of cloning. So that would be then relevant to the idea of dying and going to heaven. But then there's a third option, which does have a historic base, which is if you haven't done anything bad, but you've not actually done anything particularly good, uh, then you will be worthy of and enjoy what's called the sublime death so however you may die whether you die of old age in a bed or you you know slip off the roof and have an accident as the system the biological and neurological systems shut down your perceptive experience would be of a euphoric feeling of a bright light getting brighter up until a point where the system technically shuts down and at that point it's effectively from your experiences if you never were it'd be like falling asleep losing consciousness and this is where you get this sort of from dust you come and dust you will go idea from the past so for Raelians indeed for all humans from our perspective um, at the point of death you may find yourself waking up in a 20 year old body with all your faculties memories knowledge understanding character in a paradisical planet to live forever and uh, enjoy the, the the gardens and the fountains and the technology and the people who are living on that planet you may unfortunately if you've lived a bad life wake up to be um, not so much punished but uh, given opportunity to reflect on you know why you've made such terrible or poor choices uh, but the majority of people will end up experiencing the sublime death, which is a, a beautiful transition to genuine death, where at that point you cease to exist as far as uh, a whole being. Of course, the matter that makes you up will exist forever. I've never thought of heaven or hell as like a man-made reality. That really 
it it sounds really realistic. Like I'm not a religious person personally. I'm open to anything. But that definitely sounds like something that could definitely happen. Is that is that like something that Raelians are working towards or is there already a planet or is that something that's kind of in the works? Look, the, the Elohim have their home planet, so it's uh, a planet within our galaxy, not within our solar system, and they were created just like we were by other human beings who created them scientifically. Uh, they went through the same process as we've gone through from a very primitive lifestyle to a very technological lifestyle, and, uh, you know, they didn't suffer any any sort of cataclysmic destruction so their science kept on improving until the point where they had developed the science that allowed them to leave their planet and it's just the the natural human instinct to wish to create so they then searched for a planet that would sustain that creation came here found earth set up laboratories created all life and uh, when the life the biosphere was operational they created us in their image and of course they wish to see us do exactly the same someday they created a subsequent planet or not the planet itself but they've terraformed if you like a subsequent planet which they then designated as a place where all exceedingly good people from earth would be able to reside because they'd earned that right uh, literally forever but it's all based on science so it's it really parallels everything you may have you know, heard or read in other religions, yeah. instead of it being an ethereal, um, you know, spiritual-based uh, heaven, it's actually a physical planet, completely beautiful and, uh, you know, deliberately created for the, the, the ability for people who've been good to continue living that sort of beautiful life. So it's wow. just a scientific version of what we've already had. And I must admit that, you know, my my journey towards Raelianism uh, started long before I came across the messages uh, that have been offered by Rael. Um, I was really studying all religions and I, I found so many key points of this quite obvious human interaction. I mean, you know, Genesis in the Bible talks about let us, so plural, more than one, make man in our image after our likeness. A little bit later, you have Moses on Mount Sinai uh, meeting with Yahweh Elohim, actually called so by name, and talks about, you know, the this glory of, of God descending and, and then a ladder emerging and, and here comes the one at the hands of the man, at the feet of a man. We spoke as one man speaks to another. So be it the Bible, be it the Quran, be it other sacred languages, the true depiction of the creator is not an ethereal God, but quite clearly and black and white, uh, a human being. So uh, I found it very intriguing and absolutely ticked all the boxes and that's why we call ourselves an atheistic religion because it's it's void of the ethereal spiritualism that most other religions are uh, expressing yeah wow i was just thinking could earth like this earth planet earth could we are we the elohim's attempt of paradise and then they messed it up no <laughs> we we're effectively their children. 
they came here with a reprocreative instinct. Uh, they created all life and then created us in their image in the hope that we would reach uh, a point where we're almost at, where we'd be able to sustain that uh, humanity throughout the cosmos by, you know, developing uh, space transport and then go out and find another planet where we would create life uh, and people in our image. And this has been going on ad infinitum. Um, evolution doesn't occur. It's, it's technically not possible. There is no ethereal spiritual God. There are only uh, different humanities who reach different levels of science, which allows them to actually create new humanities. So the Helen's whole goal was to create us with the hope, because we have free will, we make our own decisions, that we would develop our science in parallel with our psychology and then use that science for beautiful creative works rather than destructive works. So they're sort of sitting back watching, hoping, and I'm sure they're very white-knuckled at the moment, that we we don't head down a path of self-destruction because this would then tie into the Buddhist notion of, of you know, reincarnation. The reincarnation isn't on an individual level. It's on the level of the entire humanity. So if we don't uh, curtail our aggressiveness, well, perhaps we will destroy all life on planet Earth through, let's say, a nuclear Armageddon. Um, and at that point, all life would cease to exist and the Elohim would then return and start all over again. Because they live eternally, um, scientifically, time really has no meaning for them and, you know, they, they have the patience to give it another go. So the ball's very much in our court. We have the messages, we have the guidance throughout history, and um, we can only hope that, uh, you know, goodness and intelligence prevail. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Are there any um, Raelian funeral customs or ceremonies? Yes. The Aurelian is expected to note in their last will and testament that the what we call the frontal bone, uh, which is the forehead, the, the, just above the axis of the eyes, about a square inch maximum would be cut out at death. Um, what happens to the body after that is completely inconsequential, whether it's donated to science. I mean, there's no need to take up room by burying it. Um, people could have that body cremated. It, it doesn't really matter. But that frontal bone would be kept at the embassy and it would be a indication that this person is sort of living the message and then those frontal bones would contain all the information required to recreate that person keeping in mind that their character and their personality and their remembrances and knowledge would already be recorded in this uh, high technology that I spoke of before, which is on another planet. And uh, through the, the, the DNA of the frontal bone, they could create the new body and then upload the consciousness into that new body. So that's pretty well the, 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 the burial rites of uh, Aurelian. Wow. And and there's no ceremony? Like, is there a funeral or anything? Um, it really is suggested that uh, death is nothing, that at the end of the day, if you have the opportunity to actually live, 
<clears throat> then really it's a celebration because at that point when you die, you may uh, be finding yourself to wake up on this planet, the planet of eternals, as we call it within the message, and uh, be living eternally in a paradisical planet with, you know, all the great people from uh, the past. So there's nothing to lament, nothing to uh, be sorrowful for. Uh, it, it is a celebration. So if we were to think of, uh, 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 I guess, a, a funeral activity when, when Aurelian dies, you know, those Aurelians who are close to that person would get together and celebrate their life, celebrate their achievements, celebrate the, the beauty of that person, but not lament their passing. And um, it's, it's quite healthy. Yeah, lovely. Am I? You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. But Peter, are you afraid of dying? Not at all. I have really never had uh, an issue with with the death scenario. Even before I I came across Raelianism, it just seemed such a, a a fact of life. I would, of course, if given a choice, like to live a long, healthy, and productive life. Um, again, if given a choice, I would love after my death to wake up on the planet of Eternals and live forever there. Um, but I, I've, you know, it's been, it's been close to 30 years for me involved with the Raelian movement and I, I feel very comfortable. I, I certainly like to live every moment. Uh, I like to be in the present. I like to sort of nurture the, 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 the pleasure and the goodness out of every moment of life. And um, I like to, you know, help my brothers and sisters of planet Earth. And I, although I'm, I'm say, disappointed at elements of politics and elements of industrial military complex and, you know, certain agendas by certain groups of people who seem bent on hindering humanity's blossoming, uh, I understand that, you know, it's it's complex being a human being and some people make pretty bad decisions. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good way to look at it, Peter. I was going to ask you if you have any tips for people who are afraid of death, but I, I feel like you may have covered it just looking at it from a really reasonable point of view, unless there's something you want to add. Look, it, it comes down to circumstances. I mean, Clearly, fear is an emotion that's very human. It's not just human. I mean, you know, many animals experience it. It it would be completely correct to be fearful if, I don't know, you know, you find yourself in a, a terrible a situation um, where death was imminent, you were trapped and you knew that you were going to die or something of that nature. Um, but if all's going well in life, there's really there's no point in spending a moment of life fearing something which is absolutely inevitable and unavoidable. So it really just comes down to a, a sort of a reflective process and a self-development process to, you know, nurture the most of while you are alive and um, not get too caught up in something which is unavoidable because that would be a, a concern. And the truth is there's really nothing to worry about because whichever way you carve it up, 
you will experience the sublime death, which is a beautiful experience, and then maybe uh, find yourself waking up, uh, you know, in the biblical heaven, which, of course, as we've explained, is a, a an actual planet elsewhere in the soul, uh, uh, galaxy. They're lovely. Yeah, I really like that. It's interesting. Raelianism is now uh, flourishing uh, on a very uh, modest level in over 90 countries. The messages that I've referred to, which is the, the dictation given to Rael by Yahweh Elohim when they met, they met on two occasions. Uh, the other was in 1975 on October 7, and those books are available. Uh, they're downloadable for free. Go to the Raelian website, which is rael.org, so R-A-E-L.org. They can download all those works for free. Uh, millions of those copies have been sold over time. There's uh, audio books. There's uh, videos. There's the message itself. I would suggest anyone who finds any of this intriguing to at least read the first message. That's the dictation from 1974. And um, you will have uh, contacts via the website as to how you can get in touch with someone in your local area who's uh, already, you know, gone along this journey. And, uh, you know, we, we, we meet people all the time who've downloaded the message online and it's obviously resonated with them and they then make contact through the website that's then facilitated to their local area uh, someone who's responsible for that local area who would then make contact and then they would be invited to come and join a, a group or chat over the phone. There's usually a million questions and uh, if they feel this is something they wish to pursue, then they could, you know, come along to one of our happiness academies, which happen on all continents every year and really get to discover what the philosophy is all about and uh, perhaps then engage and partake. Do you ever get um, mistaken for Scientology? No, no. I think Scientology is, is so specific. Uh, possibly the only tie in there would be that there is an element of sort of off-world phenomenon in Scientology. But no, we, we, we really haven't been mistaken uh, for anyone else. I mean, this is a unique continuum from the creator right through. So it's unlike Scientology. It's not the creation of, you know, an individual or group of people uh, on earth. It really is a, a direct contact by those people, the Elohim who came here long ago to create life. And uh, just like Jesus was created and contacted, just like Buddha was, uh, you know, inspired, just like Muhammad was contacted, and, uh, you know, Elijah, Ezekiel, Moses, and all the rest of them, uh, Rael Maitreya is, is just the final contact. And, you know, there's allusions to ancient texts that this would happen at this particular time, that the advocate would be contacted and that that would be effectively the, the final message for humanity. So it's, for us, it's very important, and it's no different to, say, the followers of Jesus or the followers of Buddha or the followers of Muhammad. This is a, a continuum by those who, who created all life. 
that's so interesting. You've you've left me with a lot of things to um to think about. Look, I I believe we're entering a phase in in this humanity's own progression. I think anyone who's alive today has has sensed that there are a multitude of <clears throat> what can I say potential events that could occur that could be somewhat diabolical or cataclysmic or uh, uh, certainly concerning. So never before has there been a, a time which is relevant to do a little bit of self-reflection and start asking those questions. You know, why are we here? What's the point of life, which is actually happiness? And, um, you know, who are these people who, who came here so long ago and, and created us and, and the fact that we are actually alive in the same epoch that they intend to return, that they would dearly love to return, that they hope to be invited to return, that we may indeed actually witness that. You know, we'll, we'll know where we are when it's on the news that extraterrestrials have, have landed at an embassy created for them and that they brought, you know, Jesus and Buddha along with them. And at that point, they would share their science with us and we would effectively enter the long-awaited golden age. So all the political structures, all the corporate structures would start to become null and void because we would be a whole humanity who takes its rightful place within the galaxy. And this is, this is amazing to think that we're actually alive when this could potentially take place is, uh, for me, yeah, it's, it's, it's a stunning privilege. Hey, you made it till the end. Thank you so much for sticking around. How lovely was Peter? And how interesting is the Raelian movement? I loved their theory that the point of life was happiness. I could definitely get around that. And I could have spoken to Peter for hours and hours. He is just so knowledgeable and very generous with his time. If you want to read more about Raelianism, I've popped all their info in the show notes. And if you want to get in touch with me, you'll also find my contact details. This is the final episode for series one of Dying with Mon. If you have any suggestions or topics you'd like me to explore, feel free to flick me an email. And if you enjoyed series one of Dying With Mon, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it if you could rate and review this podcast wherever you listened. As I've said many, many times, I'm an independent creator and I can use all the love I can get. It helps me share my work. If you are still looking for more things to listen to, I have another interview series called Northeast Arnhem Land with Mon, where I speak with interesting people who do incredible things and live in Northeast Arnhem Land. I also have a fiction series called Would You Rather? It's an interactive choose your own adventure podcast. Just FYI, it does get pretty dark and it covers adult themes such as sex, violence, and conspiracy theories. So if you are up for that, definitely worth checking out. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully I'll be back soon with series two. Until then, stay happy, stay healthy and look after each other. I'm Monica O'Hanlon and that was Dying With Mon. I'll see you next time.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 